that even today, Father, that uh, the healing is now past tense because you have gone to the cross. And so, Lord, you have healed and the work is complete. And so, Father, now we receive the great healing power of God in our lives each and every day. So, Father, we thank you that you are still the God who heals. We thank you for your goodness and mercy in that, Father. And, Lord, we give you praise and honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in, in um, of course, in praying for healing, you know, oftentimes we go through and, you know, we say, Lord, you're going to heal. And, and uh, we go through the prayer. Uh, sometimes we have hands laid upon us and sometimes we have uh, anointing oil applied to us. Uh, you know, in all of those things, uh, because we live in the New Testament, you know, the general attitude we should have is, is really, I, I think, the highest level of faith that you want to be at in the area of healing is not so much that God is going to heal me, uh, but first of all, God has healed you because he said by, by his stripes you were healed in 1 Peter 2.24. So if it's true that by his stripes you, uh, you were healed, then really in essence what you're, what you're doing is you're not even trying to, res- to get God to heal you. You're really receiving the healing that's already been provided for you. So a lot of times Christians in their prayers or in their believing and they're uh, trying to increase in their faith for the area of healing, they always seem to try to convince the Lord to do it. Uh, Lord, if I can just get enough faith and you will heal me. If I can just uh, be good enough, you will heal me. If I can just believe you enough, you will heal me. But really that, that's the wrong, wrong mentality because the mentality we need to have is more along the lines of, Lord, you've already done this. Uh, and so... Uh, I'm really just receiving that which you've done for me. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's a little bit different uh, mentality, but, um, you know, it's really important to, to um, go along the, along the lines of that the Word of God has given to us. Amen. Uh, and so, I'm not sure if, if uh, we're going to get the, this machine here to cooperate with us today. So, we'll see if it does. If it doesn't, you know, then um, what's that? Um, well, no, it's all right. Um, it's all right. So uh, we had gotten down to, um, uh, you don't have one of your books with you there. So, um, but I think we're, we're ready to go uh, through some questions. We had talked uh, last week um, uh, about um, the Lord and, and the great faith that the centurion had uh, and, um, <clears throat> um, and even how uh, we talked about how uh, Jesus rebuked the fever. Uh, and so, um, and I think, uh, in fact, let's turn up to Matthew chapter 8 because we were in Matthew chapter 8. And um, I'm not sure if, if we got down to, I know we talked about the centurion. And then um, um, uh, Jared, uh, uh, have you got the, who's got the notes from last week? So I was checking to see if we covered uh, the uh Peter's mother-in-law last week. That'd be Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. I know we talked about the centurion and how he had great faith and that his faith was based upon his understanding. And, you know, that, that's... Uh, um, sorry, Phoenician, don't turn the law, everything, blah, 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 Jesus, don't make a law. Okay. What's that? Okay, that's fine. Um, uh, and so... Um, 
But, you know, the, the thing I like about uh, the understanding uh, or the story of the centurion is that his faith, you know, a lot of times people think that they have, well, I struggle with faith. In fact, I was talking to someone just long ago. They said they really struggle with faith, which I always think is an odd thing because the Bible literally calls us believers. Uh, if we're called believers, then we have the capacity to believe. We have the capacity to have faith. And faith is really not difficult. Faith is, I just read a verse. Do I believe that verse to be true? Uh, and so when people say they struggle with faith, they really struggle with, I'm not sure if the Lord is going to do these things. I'm not sure if the, if the Lord is really alive, if the Lord is really active in our life, if the Lord is really doing these things. Uh, and that's really the issue that they need to resolve in their own hearts of, Lord, you know, I choose to believe you. I choose to believe you the things. And, and what happens a lot of times is they become intellectual Christians and they like they like the structure of the word. They like the definitions of the word. They, they like the doctrine of the word, but they don't, they don't believe the word, right? They struggle with the believing of the word. Uh, and uh, this centurion said, I just understand how these things work. Uh, and it, it really wasn't, and Jesus called that great faith. Uh, and it wasn't about some great deep philosophical uh, discussion of, of how the Lord works in mysterious ways. He just observed how the Lord operates and realized that the Lord has the greater authority and who's ever got the greatest authority gets to make the rules. And he realized Jesus had that. And so therefore, uh, he could depend upon that. He didn't have to know about Jehovah Rapha. He didn't have to know about the serpent in the wilderness. He didn't have to know about the blood of Jesus uh, being shed for our healing or the stripes upon his back for our healing. He didn't have to know about Isaiah 53. He didn't have to know about anything really except just simple understanding that who's ever got the highest authority uh, wins, right? And, and then so then he, uh, we talked about Peter's mother-in-law uh, there in uh, Matthew 8, 14 and 15. And I like uh, Luke's version of that where it, it says that, uh, um, uh, that he rebuked the fever in Luke's version of that. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, I was reading after one person who, you know, I don't know if they had a degree in doubt and unbelief or not, uh, but they said, you know, that, that Jesus wasn't really speaking to the, to the fever because fever can't hear anything. And so it was just an allegory. In other words, it was just a story. It didn't really happen that way or it wasn't really, Jesus wasn't actually speaking to the fever. But did Jesus speak to the fig tree? Did Jesus speak to the storm? Did he speak to the wind? Did he speak to the waves? Jesus speaks to a lot of natural things, and they obey him. Well, there's no ears on, on the wind. There's no ears on a tree. Uh, I don't think there is. Anybody seen an ear on a tree? You know, climbing up a tree, well, there's an ear. You know, nobody's ever seen an ear on a tree. And yet, somehow, these natural things have the ability to hear faith. Uh, and uh, fever is a natural thing. It resides in the natural realm. It's not of God, but it resides in the natural realm. And so it has the capacity to hear faith and it will yield to faith. Uh, and if we can understand that, you know, we would take a lot more command of our lives and not be so much victims of all of our circumstances. We would um, speak to the trees. We would speak to the winds and speak to the waves. And I think sometimes the Christians kind of get, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know if they just get um, uh, fanatical or pretentious they start speaking to everything and expecting everything to, to bow to their will without any consideration that there's other people in the world. So they may say, well, I, you know, I'd like to have a week of, of sunshine so I can get my yard mowed. And so they'll believe God, you know, speak to the clouds and not 
for it to rain for a week. Well, what about everybody else that needs rain? You know, so, you know, sometimes we're not very uh, conscious of these things and not, not aware. And so if you do things out of a selfish motive for your own benefit, uh, regardless of anybody else, then sometimes those things will not work. And so then our faith is hindered. So, you know, uh, you speak to the things as the Spirit of God instructs you to. And really that's the easiest way is if the wind is a problem, then you could speak to it. But you remember when Jesus was crossing the sea uh, with the disciples there in the book of Mark, remember he said, let's go to the other side. And it says a great storm came. But where was Jesus? He was asleep in the hind part of the ship, right on a pillow. Did he bother? Was he going to do anything about that storm? Was, he in, was his intent to do something about the storm? As far as we can tell, his intent was do nothing. Just they were going to the other side. They were going to go to the other side, right through the storm. It, the intention wasn't to do anything. And yet, because of their fear, uh, he had compassion on them and mercy upon them and spoke to the storm, not for his benefit, because he was asleep. And when he declared he's going to the other side, he's going to the other side. The, the winds couldn't stop him and the storm couldn't stop him. He was going to go to the other side. They didn't believe that, but of course he believed that because he spoke it and he had faith in what he declared. Uh, and so, so there, uh, Jesus was under no, no pressure to do it. He wasn't planning on doing it. He, uh, he was fine with, uh, with the storm being the way, the way it is. Uh, and, you know, e- even for, in my life, you know, storms come through our area all the time. Uh, I don't rebuke every storm that comes through our area and, and command it to, to stop. I mean, it just... Uh, there are things that uh, uh, I'm always going to be okay. It's only if there's an unction that, that something needs to happen, that we need to make a change of course and direction. And then I'll speak to the storm or speak to the, uh, to the, uh, the winds or the rain and command something to happen. And I've only done that once or twice. And, and, and I remember one time I did it. To, we were li- living in, um, in another county and um, there, there was... A, there was um, warnings about serious damage and destruction from this one particular storm and I just had an unction to do something about it so I spoke to it as it was beginning to enter into our area and then it just died and went away when I looked at the when I looked at the radar the whole storm split where we were at and part of it went north part of it went south and just uh, avoided us entirely but I've not done that for every storm that's ever passed our area I just do it as the as the uh, as the Lord instructs or is the and it's not even as the lord give me a specific uh, command to do something about it it's if there's an unction from the holy ghost to do something about it and then you'll do it so you know we we've got to be careful because it's really easy for us to become fanatical and start you know commanding all the lights to turn green and commanding all the lines to be short uh, and command all the gas prices to go down uh, and uh, we become kind of foolish and presumptuous with our use of the authority that god has given to us uh, and so, it, it's um, you just gotta you, you gotta. Uh, and I'm not gonna say use wisdom because to me sometimes that's a cop out. All you can do is use use the leading of the Holy Spirit to know what, when, and how to apply that authority. Uh, because there are plenty of times when uh, you remember there in Luke chapter five where it says that Jesus it says that the power of, of the Lord was present to heal, and yet nobody had been healed. The, the power of the Lord was present to heal. The specific anointing, the healing anointing was upon Jesus in that moment uh, to heal. And nobody was being healed. It wasn't until the man showed up that, with his four friends that somebody was healed. Uh, and yet Jesus was under no pressure to call anybody out. He could have called somebody out. He could have said, hey, I've uh, noticed you got a limp there. I noticed you got, you know, a, 
you know, a growth there. I noticed you got a cough there. He could have called somebody out of the crowd out, but he, had, he was under no pressure to do it. And so he didn't do it. Uh, well, why not? Well, there was no unction from the Spirit of God to do it. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so after those stories, so in, in, Ma- in Matthew chapter 8, it starts with the story of the leper. It goes to the centurion. It goes to Peter's mother-in-law. <clears throat> and then having done those, uh, those uh, three stories there, uh, then he gets down to uh, uh, verse 16. It says, when e- evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with, the, with his word and healed all that were sick. So of all the people that came to him, how many left healed? They all left healed, right? And so uh, Jesus came to demonstrate the will of God. And so we can use verse 16 as an understanding that if you ever go to the Lord to obtain healing, you should always leave from the presence of the Lord with healing. Amen? Uh, as opposed to, uh, like we said in Luke chapter 5, the power of the Lord was present to heal, but nobody was asking for healing. And so nobody got healed. Uh, the, and you know, you can get any crowd of people. You get, you know, so there's multitudes there. You get a crowd of 100 people, and you know somebody is sick in that crowd of 100 people. Amen? Uh, it's just the way of the world. There's just sickness, disease uh, rampant, really, in, uh, in any, even small groups of people. Uh, even in the church, oftentimes, that's the case. Amen? Now, we should be the most healed body of people in the whole world, uh, but that's not always the case. So, uh, But everybody that comes to Jesus uh, is healed. And so he, he, uh, there were people that were possessed with devils, uh, and he cast out the spirits with his word, right, with his authority, uh, and he healed all that were sick. And, and why, why did he do that? It says in verse 17, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And that's really the correct uh, translation. If we go back to Isaiah 53 and look at what the, what the uh, King James says, it says in verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him. Well, actually it's, uh, um, uh, yeah, in verse 5 it says, uh, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for iniquities. The chastisement of peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. And actually, um, I want to, yeah, let's go back to verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And that's the, that's the part, griefs and sorrows. And really, those, those should be uh, sickness and disease and pain, uh, which is what um, the uh, New Testament says, saying himself took our infirmities, our sicknesses, and bare our uh, that were infirmities could be sicknesses and weaknesses and bear our sicknesses. So uh, it's actually a, a better translation from uh, in Matthew than it was in the original uh, Isaiah 53. But the original Hebrew does say that those should have been sicknesses and pains. Uh, and so um, here in, uh, Isaiah, in, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, uh, there are people who say, that once this was fulfilled, then that means it's never going to happen again. That, that it's just, uh, it was done. It was done there in um, Matthew chapter 8, and so it's never going to be done again. But surely after Matthew chapter 8, there were other healings, right? There's other, other cases. So if he fulfilled it, then there was no, no need to pass it on, right? Once Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of going to the cross, did he have to go back to the cross? Did he have to continue to, to stay at the cross? No, he didn't. He, he, it was fulfilled. It was completed. But uh, fulfilled doesn't always mean it comes to an end. 
fulfilled could mean that this is really the beginning of his explanation of us living in this. And so uh, this is one of those cases where uh, there are plenty of examples when it talks about Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled that it really means that this is the beginning of us living in this as opposed to it's once and done. Uh, and so this is really him showing us that this is how we can live going forward as opposed to this was done in Matthew chapter 8. It will never be done again. Uh, and, uh, of course, that's not the case, right? We see plenty of other scriptures uh, here, in, uh, the, even in the book of Matthew. This higher Phoenician woman was in Matthew chapter uh, 15, for example. Uh, well, that's lo uh, a long ways past this verse here. So, uh, but again, if people are looking for a reason to not believe uh, in healing, they will always try to find a way to do away with the supernatural. And so they'll use a verse like, uh, Matthew 8, 17, and say, well, since it was fulfilled, it came to an end. Well, it didn't come to an end. This is really, uh, a, a, it was fulfilled that this is finally where he's showing us we can live in this, in this privilege all the days of our life. They could, uh, I mean, they, in, they really could have done that uh, in the old covenant because they had the old covenant. But he's telling the whole world here that all of you all can live uh, in divine health starting here because I'm going to do this work uh, and so, and really, in one sense, he really hasn't fulfilled this because if you go back to Isaiah 53, uh, in verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and, and with his stripes we are healed. Well, at, at chapter 8, has he received any stripes for our healing yet? No. So, so it's really, th this is showing how Jesus came to fulfill this, and yeah, he's fulfilling this part of it, but the whole prophecy hasn't been fulfilled yet. And even when, when it is fulfilled, uh, the, the kind of icing on the cake is he takes the stripes to, to show us that healing has now been paid for from that point forward. And so that's what Jesus came to do. He came to fulfill all those prophecies and show us that, that uh, this is how we can live. Uh, and so, and, and in my simple mind, this all makes perfect sense. But people who, are, who struggle with the healing power of God or it seems like they're oftentimes looking for reasons why it's not available for us today. Why does this not work for us today? Uh, and that's really the wrong mentality to have because uh, I'm always looking to, to these verses and say, Lord, I don't see any loophole where this doesn't apply today. If it says that by your stripes we were healed, then that, then that was a completed work at the cross and that continues, the, the, res the results of that completed work continues with us today. So these things shouldn't be difficult. Uh, but uh, people oftentimes are looking for reasons why, uh, uh, looking for reasons to not have faith. Uh, and it's really, we should not approach the Word of God with, with that mentality. We should approach the Word of God is, uh, with, this, with the understanding of, Lord, uh, what are, which of these verses apply to me today? Uh, and, so that, and that really finishes up chapter 5 there uh, of uh, Dr. Yeoman's book. So it's the last book there. And I think we've got a, a few more chapters left in this book. Uh, but we've got, uh, we do have four questions in this chapter, so I thought we'd go that, and then we can go on to um, uh, the next chapter. The next chapter is talking about healing for children. Uh, and so uh, the first question for this chapter there is, is what, what must we do to get the light of God? Anybody remember what she talked about earlier in her chapter? It's going to be an um, awkward test here, right? Uh, there wasn't a Bible verse. She was using the analogy of like a sunflower. So if you've ever seen a sunflower, you know, sunflowers will actually turn 
uh, and uh, follow the, the track of, a sun, of the sun, right? And that's one reason why they're called sunflowers. Uh, and they will actually move, right? They'll actually move uh, and, and follow the sun. And so that's what she said, that we should, we should be like a plant, amen? Of course, I know a lot of people who are like potted plants, right? <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good thing, but, uh, um, you know, they don't move. Uh, but uh, this is the good thing, right? Because the sunflower knows uh, where it gets its source of power from. It gets it from the sun, and so it follows that. Uh, and, and she said, you know, we should at least be a, as faithful as a plant. Uh, and so if you're not as faithful as a plant, that probably says a lot about your whole life, amen? Uh, and so we'll just leave it at that. Uh, question number two is, what was the first thing Jesus did for the woman with the spirit of, inf- of infirmity? Uh, you didn't have to forgive her. He forgave other people for the things, but he called her to him. He said, uh, uh, you know, and he, he did the same thing with a man with a withered hand, stand, stand upright in the midst, but he called her to him. Uh, and, you know, uh, that required some level of faith on her part because she had the spirit of infirmity. She didn't feel good. Uh, and, you know, some people, if you say, hey, come here, uh, I'll pray for you. I don't, I don't feel like coming. Well, then they're not, they're not willing to exercise any faith on their part at all. Amen. Uh, and so sometimes we see Jesus doing things and asking things of people. Remember, he told the ten lepers to go show yourself to the priest before they were actually healed. Amen. And if they said, well, we're not going to the priest, that, we're not healed. So, so that would be unreasonable for us to go show ourselves to the priest. But no, they all, every one of them went. All ten of them went. And then they were healed. How many of them came back uh, to worship Jesus because of that? Just one of them, right? Uh, just the one of the ten. Uh, and he was the only one that Jesus said, thy faith has made thee whole. So sometimes we see, and we see this really throughout the scriptures, where, uh, especially the Gospels there, where Jesus will specifically request something of somebody, stand upright, come here, you know, do this or do that, or he'll be at a place like uh, at Peter's house, and he'll wait for people to come to him uh, instead of going out to them. And by them coming to him is a, uh, uh, an act of faith. And so sometimes there are things that the Lord wants us to do. You remember uh, he asked uh, blind Bartimaeus, what was, what was, what, was uh, uh, what, what sickness was Bartimaeus dealing with? Blind. He was blind, right? That's why his first name is Blind Bartimaeus, right? He's by, that's, that's who he is. And yet, what did Jesus ask him? What do you want me to do for you? Which is like Captain Obvious question, right? What did, he, what did Jesus ask the man at the pool of Bethesda? Do, do, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be whole? Now, what kind of a question is that? It's like a Captain Obvious question, right? And yet, there are oftentimes Jesus would uh, request somebody to do something or ask a very obvious question because he needed to see or to hear their faith. Uh, and so if the Lord ever does that, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes we have a prayer line, right? The Lord said, hey, uh, uh, the Lord will, will, will instruct the speaker, he'll instruct me to, uh, to say, if, if you have this particular thing wrong with you, or if you want help in this area of your life, uh, come up and we'll pray for you. And so if you don't come up, well, then can you get that help? Well, I mean, it, you know, that's part of faith, amen? Uh, and there, it has happened too much uh, around here. But I've had people come up after the service and, well, I should have gone up there, you know, can you pray for me now? 
And that's wrong mentality because if the Lord instructs us to do it that way, then that's the moment that it works. Amen. After that, because that's a special unction of the Lord for that to work. And, and he's asking us to step out in faith and to respond to the request, just like Jesus did many times. Amen. And so uh, what, what if blind Bartimaeus had said, well, I don't know, whatever you want to do for me, Lord. Well, that's no, there's no faith in that. Amen. Or what if the leper said, uh, we're not, that's unreasonable for us to go show ourselves to the priest. We're not going to go do that. Then they wouldn't have done their part. If when, when, the, when Jesus went to this woman with the spirit of infirmity and he called her to him, what, what if she didn't go? What if, what if the man with a withered hand didn't stand up in the midst? I mean, you can look at all these situations and I can guarantee you if they didn't respond with the, with the way that Jesus was looking for them to respond, they would not have received the end of their faith. Amen. Sometimes he did have mercy on people when the man at the pool of Bethesda, you know, we be made whole. And the man's and his response was, I have no man. And Jesus, well, that wasn't a question. Amen. And so if the Lord asks you a question, uh, then respond in, the, in an appropriate manner. Right. Uh, if the Lord ha- wants you to go to go up into a prayer line, then respond. Then don't wait till after the service, because if you wait to the, the anointing for that specific uh, need oftentimes is not there at the end of the service, right? If it's there in the moment, but it's not there at the end of the service. So uh, you can always pray in faith, but you'll miss the opportunity to have a special anointing uh, there available for your help uh, if you don't respond in that moment. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so the next question is, uh, what is our shield? Uh, the word, uh, uh, what's in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, uh, take up the, the, the shield of what? Faith. faith, right? Which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Uh, and so faith is our shield. And so that's really a defensive, uh, defensive weapon. And so uh, where does faith come from? It comes from the word, right? And so people who say they struggle with faith, they're not really reading the word. Amen. They're reading about the word but they're not reading the Word. Uh, and, and there's no substitute for reading the Word, amen? That's why around here we uh, hold the Word in high regard because it's the source of all of our faith. And, and if I was to look at my life and said, Lord, I just don't have faith for whatever the thing is, right? Well, maybe it's healing or, you know, some people just don't have faith about anything. Then I would, I would go about and start reading the Word. If, it, if, I, if I was struggling in the area of healing, I would read healing scriptures. If I was struck in the area of finances, I'd read financial scriptures. If there's just the goodness of God, I'd read about all the goodness of God. Amen. Um, some people struggle with, is God good? Well, of course God is good. He says many times that he's good, and he demonstrates many times that he's good. Uh, but you know, some people struggle with some of those things, and so and that may, there's maybe a lot of reasons for that. Uh, last question is, is it necessary to see an example of someone being healed of the same sickness you have before you can believe for your healing? No. no, why not? Everybody has their own faith, but you can use these generic verses like this in verse 16 that says, uh, where it says, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, cast out spirits, and he healed all that were sick. So if he healed all that were sick, would that include whatever you've got? That would include whatever you've got, amen? So you, so you can use, well, Lord, I've never seen an example of, you know, whatever the sickness or malady that you're dealing with, and have never seen an example where this was done. Uh, and you remember when, when um, um, 
Pastor Edwin Anderson was here. Uh, you remember when he said he, he brought the multitudes and he said, you know, there's uh, terrible people in those multitudes, right? There's probably some murderers and bank robbers and things in there. And yet he healed all of them. Uh, and, and of course, we summarized the whole service at the end of it that saying, well, you all are terrible people, but God will heal you. Um, but so if he healed the, all the multitudes, surely eventually they've got something similar to you've got. Amen. May not be the exact same thing or expressed in the same way. But if he, if he would heal all, then, then you would be included in that, wouldn't you? So, so uh, even if you don't find that specific sickness being addressed in the word of God, uh, in fact, uh, let, let's turn over to um, um, Deuteronomy chapter 28, and we'll see a little bit about that uh, there. So in Deuteronomy 28, of course, the, uh, uh, the first 14 verses are talking about the blessings, right? Uh, the next uh, many verses are talking about uh, more than half, the second half of the uh, chapter there. It's talking about all the curses, and it talks about all kinds of, of um, uh, in, in, for example, just in verse uh, 27, the Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt, uh, and with the emeralds, and with the scab, and with the itch, which thou canst not be healed, madness, and blindness, astonishment, uh, you know, so that all kinds of of things and it gets gets down after all those things so you may not see your specific uh, disease listed in there but then when you get all the way down to verse 61 it says also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law them will the lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed and of course we know that to, from the original hebrew that it, it really should be in a permissive sense and not in a causative sense there that the lord will allow these things to come upon you uh, but the, the key there is uh, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law. So are there sicknesses and diseases which are not written in the book of this law? Sure there are. Uh, there are new ones uh, uh, identified every day, right? The, I know back in the 80s when, when AIDS came about, uh, it was a, a major sickness. It was limited primarily to the homosexual community and transmitted through uh, homosexual uh, acts there. Uh, and yet, if you got it, it was a death sentence. Well, there's no history of AIDS in the Old Covenant. Uh, and yet, uh, this verse right here tells us that it doesn't matter if it's brand new and never been seen before, it's still covered, right? Every sickness not even mentioned here is covered, amen? Uh, and so, so uh, that, that should allow us to have faith in that, uh, amen? You shouldn't feel like you've got to find a case. But if there is a case that... that uh, that you see that lines up with whatever sickness or disease you're dealing with, well, that sh that's just a bonus, right? Uh, and so, well, Lord, that's the same thing I'm dealing with. You healed them, so you'll heal me. Uh, and so with, we're thankful for that. But if you can't find the specific one, you can say, well, Lord, uh, you've got these multitudes coming, and it didn't matter what they had. You healed all of them, so, so it doesn't matter what I've got. You'll heal me too. Uh, so that, and that's where our faith should be. Uh, Lord, uh, from example, I've seen every single person that came to you left uh, well. Uh, and so that's, that's the faith that we should have. Amen. Uh, and so let's turn to, uh, to Luke chapter 8 then. So this chapter, uh, she starts talking about uh, the healing uh, for our children. And she uses uh, Luke chapter 8 as the beginning point here. And one of the things that we'll see here when it comes to the healing for our children, uh, we've got to start down in verse... Uh, um, <clears throat> Uh, let's see, let's start out, well, let's start out in verse uh, 40 is where she started out. Uh, 
It says, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. Uh, he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had uh, one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But, uh, but as he went, the people thronged him. And so uh, did Jesus uh, resist going with them? No. Uh, we see another case where it was one of the rulers of Israel came, and he said um, that it's a lack of faith that requires me to go. And so, you know, every case is different. There's no rhyme or reason. Sometimes Jesus wouldn't go, uh, and sometimes he would go. Sometimes uh, he would go. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, I think it was with, uh, let's turn back to uh, back is Matthew chapter 8 there. Uh, you can just hang on there. I'll just read it. Uh, it says, um, uh, when he's talking about this, this centurion servant, in verse 5, this is Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, and when Jesus was entered to Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. So the, they didn't even ask Jesus. In fact, later on, uh, we find out that the, that the centurion said, I'm unworthy for you to come. Just speak the word only and it's done. So Jesus offered to go with them even without being prompted. Uh, here, this man prompted Jesus to go uh, and uh, lay hands on his daughter. Uh, and, uh, and of course, um, he besought him they would come to his house. Uh, and so he had faith that, that uh, his faith was Jesus needed to come to his house and, and touch his daughter specifically, uh, pray for his daughter directly uh, in order for her to be well. The centurion man had faith, just speak the word, and, and time and distance have no meaning in the realm of the spirit. So the centurion had great faith because he understood that you don't have to be somewhere, Jesus, for it to happen, but that's okay. Did, did Jesus get upset at this man? He didn't get upset at him. He went with him, right? <clears throat> and it says, uh, as he went, the people thronged him. And then we've got this uh, little interlude here in verse 43 that the and the woman and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years who had spent all her living upon physicians and, and uh, neither could be healed of any mm. uh, and so now it's interesting uh, what what is luke's profession he was a doctor right he he was a doctor now of course doctors back then a little different than doctors today Doctors back then, you know, used eye of newt, you know, and a gnat's wing and all kinds of weird things to get healed. And so it wasn't really based on science. Uh, some of it was surely based on experience, but a lot of it was just based on, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, snake oil stuff. Uh, but uh, he leaves out the part that she grew worse, right? In uh, Mark's version of it, she'd spent all she had. It was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Uh, he kind of leaves that out part. Maybe he's trying to you know, if you ever ask your doctor about another doctor, they'll never tell you anything bad about another doctor, right? And so maybe he's already uh, living by that rule here in, in the New Testament. Uh, but she couldn't be healed of any. Uh, and so, so she interrupts Jesus' travel to Jairus' house, doesn't she? And she came in behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood uh, stanched or dried up. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with them said, Master, the multitude thronged thee. And press thee, saith thou, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue, and I'm not sure why they use virtue. You know, virtue sounds like, you know, like a, like a character, you know, like, a, like his, uh, his good character. Uh, it's the Greek word dunamis. It should be power, and it really should have said, I perceive 
that supernatural miracle work, miracle work and power has gone out of me. That's really what it says. Uh, but instead, the King James decided to use virtue. And, you know, uh, you know, you wonder about some folks sometimes, right? Uh, and so, uh, so he knew that. And so that's interesting that the supernatural power left the body of Jesus and affected a healing and cure in this uh, woman without any conscious effort on Jesus' part. He was a carrier of the power. Aren't you a carrier of the power? Your same exact power that Jesus has, we have, amen? We, we carry the exact same power that Jesus has. Uh, and, uh, and so she drew upon that power from Jesus uh, without him even being uh, mentally aware of that happening. Uh, and so people sometimes fuss at the Pentecostal church for kind of weird things like that. Well, this is kind of a weird thing in that sense. I don't think it's weird at all, but because uh, I understand how this operates. It's the Spirit of God in Jesus she had faith in that spirit of God that was upon the life of Jesus. She drew upon that, that power of God that was upon the life of Jesus. That power is transferred into her body without the, the, the mental awareness of the Lord Jesus, except that he knew that it happened once it did happen, but it wasn't anything he mentally chose to do. Uh, she just drew upon that by faith. Uh, and in verse 47, and when the woman saw uh, that she was hid, that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. And declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said, Jesus said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. Now, um, from, from verse 43 to verse 48, she's interrupting Jesus' travel to Jairus' house. And so you got to give Jairus some credit here because he could have been really irate. Amen. He could have really been... Uh, got mad, getting upset about the fact that, that this woman interrupted his journey. Uh, and so he didn't, though, did he? Uh, and so you got to give him some credit for that because he could have said, send that woman away. You know, I've, I've got you first, Jesus. Uh, and so uh, that shows that, that he had a solid faith in the Lord Jesus. And so now while this is going on, it says in verse 49, while he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, troubled not the master. So uh, even though Jesus raised several people from the dead, including uh, the, the uh, woman at Nain's um, son who had died, uh, and uh, Lazarus, uh, and yet and he told, in fact, he told uh, uh, Mary and Martha that I am the resurrection and life. So there were people raised from the dead in the ministry of Jesus, uh, and yet this person who came from the synagogue, the, the ruler of the synagogue's house, from Jairus' house, said, uh, it's over. Uh, and because uh, they're thinking that Jesus only had power up until the point of death. And so people were, were limiting uh, the power of God, weren't they? When Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, uh, uh, believe only, and she shall be made whole. So what, what was he doing? Well, he was encouraging Jairus, just believe. <clears throat> and and, uh, and but what Jesus is saying, you know, with faith, uh, there's nothing that's impossible with God. Uh, and oftentimes we put constraints. Well, Lord, you know, you could help me right up until this point. Once this point is passed, then there's nothing you can do uh, about it. And, and I'm doomed to that uh, end result uh, at that point in time. And yet Jesus said there's no limit to faith. The, it doesn't matter if they're alive. It doesn't matter if they're dead. You know, how long was Lazarus dead before Jesus went to, to go raise him up? Like four days, right? 
Well, that's a long time. I mean, you know, if he just died and he's still, his body's still warm, you know, maybe there's a shot, right? I mean, plenty of doctors have, have revived people that have been clinically dead even minutes. And sometimes they get into situations where they're, you know, they fall into a, a frozen pond or something and, and their heart stops. And, and yet even sometimes 30 minutes after they're dead, uh, doctors have been, uh, been able to revive people that, uh, that have uh, fallen into circumstances like that. Uh, and and so, uh, so Jesus, I think he intentionally waited for four days just to make sure everybody understands, look, this is not just happenstance. It's not just an accident that he wasn't really dead. He was just sort of dead. Uh, and he, he just made sure that he's really, really dead. Amen. Uh, and so he, he uh, and I appreciate this about the Lord Jesus. He was encouraging Jairus' faith. Uh, Fear not, uh, believe only, and she shall be whole. Uh, well, that, that's a, you know, he starts out with fear not. And, and oftentimes Jesus would start with that phrase, fear not. Uh, why? Because our natural tendency is to fear, is to fear that uh, it's too late, to fear that God can't come through, to fear that, uh, well, now that she's dead, you know, if she was alive, there was a chance, but now she's dead, uh, we can't do anything about it. A lot of times fear will try to go- govern our thoughts. And, and Jesus so starts out with fear not. And step number two is believe only. And step number three is you, you shall receive. Uh, well, that sounds just like Mark eleven twenty four, 24, right? What things serve you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and then you'll have them. So that, that Jesus is being consistent in his doctrine here. Fear not, remove fear. Uh, in fact, uh, in Mark eleven twenty two, 22, it says, uh, have faith in God. And so what is that? That means to fear not. And then believe only. That's Mark eleven twenty four. And the results of that is at the end of Mark eleven twenty four, you have received. So he's just, he's telling Jairus here to live by that example. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Uh, and it's interesting that, that uh, uh, Jesus, you know, didn't say that she was dead, but she sleeps. Now, he did say that, that Lazarus was dead because they were thinking, well, if he sleep, you know, because he used the same phrase with them. Well, he's, he's asleep uh, there in John chapter 11. Uh, and, 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 of course, when he said, well, Lazarus is asleep, they're like, well, you know, Master, he's, then he's just napping. He's just, then he'll be fine if he's just asleep. And finally, Jesus said, look, he's dead. He's literally dead. Uh, and so... Uh, it's, uh, uh, but see, for, from a standpoint of faith, she's just asleep. So, you know, faith is always trying to, to uh, say the correct, right thing. Because uh, if she's asleep, that means she can awake. Uh, because when people think of death, they think that, that it, you can't recover from that. So Jesus doesn't like to use those words because uh, there is no limit to what God can do. So weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And of course, they laughed in the scorn. And notice that it says in verse 54, and he put them all out. And took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. So there are times when, uh, when you cannot pray for somebody because of the, of the environment that they are in. And you have to change the environment before you can exercise faith. Because uh, what's the one thing that can shut down faith? Uh, it's your doubt and unbelief, right? Uh, and so remember there in, in, uh, in Mark chapter 6, uh, where it says that he could there do no mighty works uh, uh, at, except in his own hometown, right? Uh, and, and he marveled at their unbelief. 
So unbelief has the power to shut down the, the move of God. And some people get upset about that statement, but uh, that's not, a, that's not a, even a controversial statement because that's what it says uh, when Jesus went to Nazareth. That's what he's doing right here. He's getting the people that are in doubt and unbelief out of that midst because their unbelief will short-circuit the power of God. Uh, and, uh, you know, I tried to explain uh, that phrase sometime because other ministers use that phrase that, that uh, uh, sometimes we can short-circuit the power of God. Uh, and, and see, some people think, well, if the power of God, nothing can, nothing can diminish the power of God. That's not true. Your will has a great impact on how much of the power of God uh, operates in your life. And if you choose to believe it, then, then you'll have great power operating in your life. If you choose to not believe it, then uh, Jesus cannot do mighty works in your life. And, and it's not got any, anything to do with his will. It's got to do with our, our choosing to believe. So sometimes you have to uh, change the environment before you can pray. And this is not the only case. There are lots of other cases where Jesus had to uh, take the man out of town or, or change the environment that they were in somehow by having other people leave. Oftentimes, he would only bring in Peter, James, and John. This is one of the cases where he would only bring in Peter, James, and John. Well, how many disciples were there? There were 12, right? But why, why did he consistently only bring in Peter, James, and John? Well, it's probably because he just liked them better. You reckon that's it? Well, no, it wasn't because he liked them better, but because they believed him. They believed in him. And their faith could add to his faith, uh, as opposed to their faith or their unbelief uh, hindering his faith. And so uh, he put, out, put them all out. So he put them all out there where the other nine disciples were. Amen. You remember in, in Matthew 17, when Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration, he again brought Peter, James, and John with him. And when he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, he met the boy with the epilepsy. And, and the father said, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't get him healed. And Jesus said, you know, uh, oh, unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? Uh, well, uh, that same nine uh, disciples there are the same nine that he didn't allow coming to this house either. Why? Well, apparently those nine, even though they were with him as just as much as Peter, James, and John were, didn't have much faith. <clears throat> and, and, and really, there's nothing he could do about it. I mean, you're with Jesus every day. You can listen to what he says, receive the word of God, increase your faith, and believe him. And yet, being with Jesus still uh, didn't cause him to have great faith. And, you know, you think, well, if, if Jesus could just be here, I'd have great faith. What, what did Thomas say? Unless I see the scars on his hands and, 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 and uh, where, the, where the spear was placed in his side, I'll not believe. So, so Thomas thought he had to be in the presence of Jesus before he'd believe. And yet, he, he lived in the presence of Jesus for three years and didn't believe. Uh, and so... Uh, if that's true for them, wouldn't that be true for us? People often say, if I could just see Jesus, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. If I could just see a miracle, I'd believe. No, you wouldn't. They lived with Jesus all these years, you know, every day. All these, all these miracles, spectacular miracles every day with Jesus. And yet he, he couldn't bring them in. He could bring in three of them, but he couldn't bring in all 12 of them. You think about, you know, to me, that's a little sad that uh, you've got 12 people. You can only depend on 25% of them. Uh, and 75% of them are not helping you at all. That's pretty tough, right? 75% of the people are not helping Jesus at all. The 75% of the people that were with Jesus, amen? So he put them all out with the, with the nine disciples, right? You nine, and you, you know that all 12 of the disciples were there with him. They all traveled together all the time. 
but only, he only allowed three of them to go in because three were going to help his faith. Three were going to um, uh, be there with him. Uh, and so uh, what did he say? He just took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again. Uh, and she, she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged that he should tell no man what was done, which seems odd because you'd think people would find out. You know, I mean, because somebody came from the house and said, your, da- your daughter's dead, so obviously it was public knowledge. And you had all these people weeping and bewailing her. So it seemed like it'd be really hard to uh, minimize how much that, was, uh, that word was getting out. Uh, in the case here, you know, this, this is a daughter. So um, who, who was the authority over her life? The parents were, right? Uh, and so uh, that tells us one thing about, um, uh, about dealing with children and about how authority works, that the man was able to go on, on his daughter's behalf and get her healing, amen? Uh, and so it does tell you a little bit about um, uh, that, how authority works. And so, you know, when your children are younger, uh, who has authority over them? The parents do, right? Uh, and so, um, but when the, when the child gets older and the child becomes an adult, could J. Iris also do this for her? Could he go on her behalf and get her healing? Well, well, probably not, right? Uh, and so uh, it is one thing to understand about how authority works, that uh, who's ever got the greatest authority in that situation, uh, they can get the, the miracles of God to operate. But um, once that child becomes their own adult, then they have authority over their own life. Their parents don't, you know, they're still their parents, right? The parents will always be the parents. But uh, <clears throat> uh, do they have uh, the ability to, depend upon the faith of their parents. And so typically what you find is up to a certain point, parents can obtain the healing for their children, but after a certain point, they're not able to do that because they are no longer the primary authority in that child's life. The child becomes their own adult and has their own authority. And so really then that authority then transfers to them. And if they choose to find Jesus, choose to, to yield to Jesus and obtain healing, that's great, but they, they won't be able to depend on their... Um, uh, on their parents, and it works the same thing even in a married uh, in a marriage. So oftentimes, uh, when people get married, one person will be a person of great faith. Uh, so maybe the other person didn't grow up in a in a spirit filled house or spirit filled church, uh, and so their level of faith is uh, maybe less than their spouse. Uh, and so, up to a point, then the, the one spouse with the greater faith can carry the other spouse. But after a while, the Lord has an expectation that that we move on and we progress, amen? Uh, and so when is that? Well, there's no number, right? There's no, there's no date. There's no uh, amount of years. It's just whatever is obvious, right? Uh, and, and people know when instead of doing the work of obtaining faith on their own, they're being lazy and depending upon the faith of somebody else. And whenever that threshold is crossed, you know, I can't tell you when that is, but, but when that threshold crosses, instead of me, I'm just going to use their faith. Well, oftentimes that doesn't work anymore, amen? Before that, they didn't even know that was a thing. You mean, I can believe God for healing? Yeah, well, show me how that works. Well, here, I'll pray for you and, and, and it'll work. But after a while, you'll find that that doesn't work. Uh, and, and it's the same thing with children, amen? And so we see uh, lots of cases here. Uh, we're, we're here in, um, uh, in Luke chapter 8. Let's turn over to, to John chapter 4. We'll look at another example with children. 
And so what you find, uh, the other thing that, that sometimes will work, you know, th this is, you really, you really don't have a, um, uh, as strong of a case in this situation, but remember in Luke chapter 5, remember the man was brought by his four friends. And it says, and when Jesus seeing their faith, so the, his friends had faith. So that's, first of all, tells you that you should hang around people with faith. Amen. Uh, and then he, he uh, forgave the man's sins, and then uh, the man was healed. Uh, but uh, in that case, uh, he, he doesn't ever call out the man's faith specifically. He calls out the, the faith of the friends. Uh, and so, you know, if somebody is incapacitated, right, maybe they're in a coma, or maybe they're too sick to even be aware of things, uh, oftentimes their friends around them can believe God on their behalf. But in a case like that, it really depends on what opportunities did that person who is not capable of, of believing God because of a coma or because of a sickness, what opportunities did they have to learn faith? See, if they were a denominational person and weren't taught faith, weren't taught healing, uh, then maybe other friends could uh, have faith on their behalf. But again, even after that, you know, maybe they got healed once. And I know there was a story with a fellow that he'd gone to uh, one of these great healing uh, ministers, I think it was like Amy Simpson McPherson or, or someone like that, uh, went to their meeting uh, and followed the process. They had a certain process you had to go through to, before you got to the healing line, and they received their healing. And then a few years later, something else happened in their life. They went back to, uh, went back to that same uh, healing evangelist and was not able to receive healing. And so then they started going to all the healing evangelists. They went to Brother uh, to Oral Roberts uh, and different ministers around the country and was not receiving healing for their, faith, for their sickness and, and leaving and saying they don't have it anymore. You know, the first time I went to this person, they had it. Second time I went to this person, I didn't get, I didn't get healed. And so obviously it's got nothing to do with me. So clearly it's 100% on, on the minister's fault of why I'm not getting healed. Uh, and that's, you know, that's always funny when people they never have any self-awareness. They think it's not, well, it's not me. It's obviously somebody else. Uh, and so they finally ended up in, in some of Brother Hagin's meetings. Uh, and, and of course, he would spend a lot of time teaching. Uh, and he finally went up to Brother Hagin and said, Brother Hagin, I'm starting to see that, that I've got something to do with, with, with my faith. That it, it seems like I've got some responsibility here that having been many years since I knew that healing was available to me and received healing, uh, that I should have been developing my own faith uh, and so that I could receive on my own without having to have somebody else to provide faith for me. Uh, and so you see that, that, uh, well, when does that occur? I don't know. You want to roll the dice and find out? How long can I go without receiving, without developing my own faith? Uh, that's not really a great plan, amen? Uh, and so, so we, we need to understand these things that, that in all of these cases, this was an adult seeking the assistance of, of the Lord for the benefit of their child because they had the authority to do that. Amen. Uh, and, but we see that in other cases where you remember when, when um, we read there in Matthew chapter 8 where Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. So she was probably incapacitated and was not mentally aware enough to receive or to develop faith on her own in that case there. And so they besought Jesus on her behalf. And, and he did heal him. So did heal her, uh, his, her mother, his mother-in-law. So uh, <clears throat> I would encourage you always to always work on developing your own faith. Amen. 
because that is guaranteed. And that's the thing I love about faith is if I have my own faith, it's guaranteed to work. If I get to depend on your faith, you know, I don't know where your faith is. So I'm rolling the dice. Well, I don't like rolling the dice. You like rolling the dice? I don't like rolling the dice. I like, to, I like a sure thing. Amen. And, and to me, faith is a sure thing. I can develop my own faith. I can obtain healing on my own and get it anytime I need to. Amen. Now, I don't have any problem with people laying hands on me. I've had people lay hands on me plenty of times uh, in the area of sickness or disease. Uh, but uh, I prefer to get it on my own just because I know I can get faith on my own. Amen. I see. I can't guarantee the person behind the pulpit. They may be saying things, but do they really believe that? I don't know. You know, uh, I, I know uh, I, I tell, tell this on myself a little bit. When I first started pastoring, you know, be, before I pastored, I've been a saved for, for many years and had always believed God for my own healing and received supernatural healing many times. But then as a pastor, you, you start laying hands on people and praying for other people. And it, and it was a little bit, um, it was a little odd for me because I'm thinking, well, I don't know. I don't know where their faith is. I don't know, is this going to work? Now, I knew it would work for me, but I don't, would it work for you? It wasn't I was in doubt and unbelief about the Lord, but I was really in doubt and unbelief about you, right? Not you particularly, but, you know, just people that I'm laying hands on. And so it was a little, and, and, um, and so I did, it, was, it didn't take long at all for, to figure this out. I was, happened to be listening to one of Brother Hagin's messages, and he said, every time I pray, I always pray 100% for their healing, that my expectation is 100% that they'll get healed. I thought, well, that makes perfect sense, right? Because uh, that's my faith. I can believe God that 100%. Now, if it doesn't work, it's not going to be on me. Now, is it on them? I don't know. Is it on something else? I don't know. It could be something, something else going on. But as far as I'm concerned, my faith is always 100% healing. So I just cover that part of it automatically, right? My, my faith is always to receive healing 100% of the time on anybody that I'm praying for. Uh, and so, uh, so in, in the case uh, with children, you know, up to a certain point, you can always receive uh, healing on their behalf. And so here in John chapter 4, let's look in verse 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Galilee, out of Judea of Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So that sounds exactly like Jairus and his daughter, right? Uh, Please come, my daughter is near death. And this man comes and he says, uh, uh, come and heal my son, because he is also at the point of death. Uh, and Jesus said unto him uh, in verse 48, Except ye see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Well, that's a really odd response because that's not the response that, that Jairus got. Jesus said, I'll come. That's not the response that the, the centurion got in, in, in Matthew chapter 8 uh, without even asking Jesus that I'll come. Here, this, this man specifically asked Jesus to come and said, Except ye see signs and wonders, you, you will not believe. So, why did Jesus say that? Well, you see, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. And he knew, he knew the reality of every circumstance he was involved with. And he knew in this case that the man's faith wasn't in Jesus. The man's faith was in Jesus being at his house. Uh, and maybe it was because, uh, you know, there was something going on in his life that he needed to have this important person, this prophet to come into his house and to be seen this way. You know, we don't, we don't get any insight into the man's thinking other than this man's faith was not in Jesus this man's faith was in Jesus being at his house. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, 
in this case, Jesus understood that in this case, this was a hindrance to him receiving from God. And so uh, the thing, that, that you've got the exact same story, two different people, two different children, and yet Jesus responded in two completely different ways, right? It's the exact same uh, story uh, in essence, right? A parent, a father coming for a child, both uh, uh, rulers in Israel, uh, and, in fact, both leaders of a synagogue, right? Uh, this one here was, well, he, this man was a nobleman. The other, uh, the other one was a ruler of the synagogue. Uh, and so both of them held some position in society. But Jesus responded completely differently in both cases. And so is Jesus schizophrenic, right? Is he, is he just like, you just never can't, uh, he's just, you know, up one day and down the next day? Well, of course, that's not true, right? Uh, but the thing that I like about this is it tells me there's no law. If someone says, hey, will you come pray for my sick, for my sick child? You know, you probably go. But then sometimes if the, if the unction of the Lord is, says, you know, they just, they just they have no faith except for you coming. And the Lord may say, you know, they need to believe without you coming. Uh, and, and so uh, what, what did the man do in verse 49? The nobleman said, sir, come, come down, ere my child or before my child dies. So the man was, was pretty adamant about it. Amen. Did Jesus yield to him? No. What did he say in verse 50? Jesus said, him, go thy way, thy son liveth. And what did, what happened? The man did what? Believe the word that Jesus was, had spoken unto him and he went his way. So, uh, so why, why is this a thing, right? Why, is this, why did Jesus operate this way? Well, there, there's no rule. There's no law. There's no, you can't say if, it, if it's a child and they're at home sick, you've got to go. There's no law because here Jesus said, I'm not going. Uh, and, he, and he rebuked the man. He said, your faith is in me going. You're not, you know, your faith is not in me. Your faith is in me going or showing up at your house. Well, that's not the faith, right? Uh, uh, and so, but he also desired to help this man, right? So he did rebuke them, except you see signs and wonders, you don't, you're not going to believe. Uh, and and uh, the man stayed his course. Please come down. And Jesus said, go thy way, thy son liveth. Now, the man believed the word, so, so Jesus saw in him that he could get him to where he needed to be, that he needed to step up his faith. Now, see, uh, this man being this nobleman, maybe he had been around long enough that Jesus expected him to be at that place in faith. And he needed a little, a, a little kick in the pants to kind of get there, to, to move on, to, to see this. So uh, you've got to depend upon the, the uh, understanding of Jesus and how he knows everything. He knows everything by the Spirit of God. And he saw that this is necessary. For this man, it's necessary for him to believe at this exact point because otherwise... Uh, his faith has been stuck in people showing up at his house. And so Jesus, go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man did believe. So you've got to give the man some credit here that he did believe the word that Jesus had spoken to him and he went his way. So, so did Jesus go with him? No. The man, he had to leave wherever Jesus was at and he had to go all the way home. And it says in verse 51, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him saying, thy son liveth. And then, of course, he said he inquired of the hour that he, what, began to amend. So it wasn't even that um, uh, this was an instant healing, that he began to improve at that point, right? The word amend there means to improve. And they said unto him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. 
So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus had said on him, thy son liveth. So not the hour that Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. But he said, thy son liveth. So, and not even go thy way. As soon as Jesus spoke those words, thy son liveth, things changed. So when Jesus declared what was going to happen, uh, what was really happening at that moment, that's when things began to change. And uh, he said, thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. Uh, and so, again, uh, uh, this, this man was, was his son. Uh, the centurion, he was, was a servant, right? Uh, and so, I, I think these, between the centurion there in Matthew chapter 8, uh, and, and then Jairus in both in Luke chapter 8 and also Mark chapter 5, um, and then this, this uh, ruler, uh, this nobleman here in John chapter 4, to me that, that's three, um, three good examples of, of Jesus healing with a servant or a child uh, and how that Jesus didn't make a law about how he operated, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so then should we make a law? Can we make a law out of any of these cases? No, we, uh, we can't make a law out of any of these cases, right? Uh, and so um, uh, th- there was a story that I remember hearing from Lester Sumrall um, uh, in relation to children. Uh, and so there, there was a, a, a family or a couple that had brought uh, a child um, to the healing line. Uh, and, and, uh, but they weren't the child's parents. Thought was that's really odd, right? They're not the child's parents, and so he he asked him, well, well, where are their parents? And he said, well, you know, they're, they're uh, in this case they said they were Baptists and they don't really believe in healing. And of course, Lester, you know, he was not one to uh, to hide his feelings. Uh, he he said, then let them take the child to the Baptist, and he wouldn't pray for the child. Uh, that's pretty harsh, right? Uh, and yet uh, the reason is because th- this this family friends. They don't have authority in that child's life, right? Uh, the, the, uh, the centurion had authority over his servant. Uh, the the uh, Jairus had authority over his daughter. Uh, the nobleman here had authority over his son. But some random adult doesn't have authority over, the, over some random child, right, if it's not their child. Uh, and so they didn't really have any, any, any legal authority, right, from a spiritual standpoint, to bring this child. They just felt sorry for the child. And we're hoping that God would just give them a, a, uh, an act of mercy as opposed to an act of faith. Uh, and, of course, you know, is the Lord merciful? He is merciful. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, you know, Lester was not one to, uh, uh, not one to, uh, to, to be messed with, right? Uh, and so he said, let them take the child to the Baptist. And he, then he wouldn't pray for the child. So, um, you know, you've got to, uh, you've got to know uh, where your place is, right? And so those are three examples there that, that really show us they're all really very similar cases of sickness uh, of a child with, with a responsible authoritative adult. Uh, and yet in all three cases, Jesus handled them completely differently. Uh, in all cases, the, the, the parent did come as the authority to request the assistance of Jesus. And in all three cases, did they get the assistance they, they desired? They did, amen. And so as parents... Uh, really, you know, you should stick with Lord, whatever it takes. If you, if you have that attitude, you'll always get the assistance that you need. Amen. Uh, and so that, that part of it is good. 
but then if you're the one dealing with that sickness, if you're the one that are coming to you, you need to be led by the Spirit of God. Because if he had gone to the, nobleman, uh, to the nobleman's uh, house, uh, his, the, the nobleman's faith wasn't correct in that moment. So he may not have been able to receive, Jesus may not have been able to operate in that case because his faith was not in, in the power of Jesus, but in the presence of Jesus, which, you know, uh, is, there's no faith in just Jesus showing up. That's not where the, there's no power in his presence. There's power in, uh, uh, in himself as, as a carrier of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, and so uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you for the examples that you've given to us in your word, Father. We see that we can't make a law about how to deal with circumstances uh, of sickness uh, the same way in every case, Father. In fact, you saw three different cases, and, and you handled them differently in all three cases. And so, Father, help us to see and listen to your spirit to understand when and how to deal with uh, healing in every case, Father. Every case is not the same. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, well, praise God. The, the, I, I love the wisdom that we find in the Word of God. Amen. I love the wisdom that, that these things are not uh, to be made into laws. Amen. Uh, and so let's get re- ready to receive this afternoon's uh, offering. Uh, and, um, and so don't forget, of course, I think most of you all know all of these services available online. You can go back either to our Facebook page. You can go back to our, our homepage or our website. Uh, and you can um, also subscribe to these services on the podcast app. You can go to our website and get instructions of how to do that. Uh, and when they, if you do subscribe to the podcast, then uh, just as soon as they're uploaded to the pod, you'll get a notification that a new service is available. And to me, that's the easiest way to uh, listen to them. Uh, it does take a, a tiny bit amount of technical support to get that to work on your phone. But uh, if you're a phone person, you'll know how to do that. If not, you find the 12-year-old, they'll show you how to do that, right? And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. And uh, two weeks from today, we will have, uh, actually three weeks from today, we'll have, no, it's two weeks from today, we'll have uh, Reverend uh, Larry Hutton will be with us. Uh, two weeks from yesterday, Jared will be graduating and, and officially becomes an adult, right? Tax-paying adult. And so, <laughs> so he's working on, on his job situation right now. Uh, we'll let you know uh, when all that gets uh, taken care of. Amen. Uh, and so he will join the ranks of, of official taxpayers uh, here pretty soon, right? So, <laughs> um, but praise God, we thank the Lord for his goodness and watching over Jared all these years. Amen. All right, be blessed. Have a wonderful week, Lord, and you're dismissed.